You're listening to The Bob and Bo Show. Here are your hosts, Ty Bob, Ty Bo, and Sean. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am Ty Bob, joined by Ty Bo and Sean. We are joining you today after a Chiefs loss. They lose to the Bills at home 24-20. to And I got to say, we'll, we'll get into it later, a little bit later, but to, to start off, you know, that it's a loss. Don't be reactionary. Monday and Tuesday have been wild on Chiefs Twitter. Calm it down a little bit. Let's have a little bit of fun. This has happened we know before. Most of these dumbasses don't know what the hell they're talking about, anyway. It's so. true. That's a hundred percent true. And and like, this happened in what week five of last year? We've been here before, folks. We'll get into it here a little bit later. Like I said, but first off, I think Tybo's got a top five for us. Yeah, man. Um, going over the ideas of what to do for the top five for today, I got per- I got pretty perked up when someone threw out this suggestion. Um, I don't have any honorable mentions, um, but I'm coming at you with my top five um, game day traditions uh, for Chiefs home games, basically. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is so funny already, guys. It is someone um, with Sean. Yeah. Someone with Sean. Hey. <laughs> I mean that's why I don't need to shout him out. So <laughs> this didn't come from Twitter or anything. This is this is in-house. But anyways, um these are the five things that I prefer to do to get ready for a Chiefs game. Um starting with number five, waiting in line for the gate to open. <clears throat> Gates open, uh for the Chiefs, five to six hours before game time. Um, if you if there's enough people waiting in line, they will open the gates up even earlier than that. Um, but if it's an if it's a noon game, you know we're there at six o'clock in the morning, damn near. Um, those those days I like especially because you get two different kinds of meals. You get a breakfast meal and a pregame meal. That's a little bit different. Um, on the Bills game with the afternoon game, they were just like, we got brats and pulled pork and a bunch of sides. Nobody's getting breakfast food. So if you want to breakfast, you got to eat before you go. But that's a tradition that I think a lot of Chiefs fans do. Um, waiting in line for the gate to open, the line is insane. Um, you will be parked there for a while. Uh, number four, <clears throat> specific to my tailgate group, most of the time, we bring uh, an extra table f- that um, food's not going to go on it. Nothing else is going to go on it besides red solo cups and a bunch of liquid because we play flip cup. Uh, it's a it's a it's a fun way to get drunk without like gorging yourself. Because um, some of my other traditions fill up my stomach really fast. Uh, flip cup, flip cup. You're only drinking, uh, you know, a little bit. So it's a good way to pace yourself, but still get drunk at the same time. Uh, and it gets competitive, like flip cup. Um, I would say anybody can play, but I've also seen some people that just literally can't flip the cup over. So 
It's we all go through. Our, we all go through our rough patches, but there's some people that really weren't meant to play flip cup. <clears throat> and we all know me. Number three is blunts in the parking lot. We gotta wait. We gotta wait for the the guy on the the golf cart to go by us. No, the police do make their rounds at Arrowhead, um, and I won't do it in front of children. But we smoke blunts in the parking lot. That's kind of time, Bo. <laughs> That's how we get ready for a Chiefs game. And uh, coincidentally, um, I I brought uh, a friend of mine from St. Louis to the game, and he was sitting one section over from where I was. We couldn't get tickets right beside each other, and they sat right in front of two guys that smoked way too much in the parking lot because they were asleep in the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> and my buddy Corey called them out, and they're like, no, no, dog, we weren't, we weren't sleeping. <laughs> they were awake the rest of the game, but they uh, they were a little dotied uh, in the first quarter. <laughs> uh, number two, um. Sometimes it's all the way down to my underwear, but sometimes it's not. But one of my – if anybody has met me at a Chiefs game, you know one of my traditions is wearing every single piece of Chiefs clothing that I have. Stocks, <laughs> pants, shirt, undershirt, bandana. My scrunchie will even be red and yellow. Um, I mean, anything Chiefs-related I got, I'm bringing it. Um, if – I don't peel off my layers at, at winter games, but if I did, it would be comical because it'd be like, oh, Chiefs logo. Ooh, another Chiefs logo. Ooh, Chiefs logo. Ooh, Super Bowl champion, Chiefs logo. Like, I just – I pack it on with nothing but Chiefs. I don't care um, if it's functional or not. If it's got a Chiefs logo, it's a, coming with me to the game. Um, Probably one of the only spots in the world where you, you will not get weird looks for wearing stuff like that. And – if I if I didn't need these damn things to see, I have this uh, Chiefs football helmet luchador mask, and I I brought that to a couple games too. But I can't see shit without my glasses on, so it doesn't make an appearance very often. But number one, some of these traditions I don't get to do every game, so. Weekday games, work might cause me to not be able to wait in line for gate open. Um, sometimes the people that usually bring the table for flip cup don't bring the flip cup. Sometimes I don't have any weed on me, so I can't smoke a blunt in Arrowhead Park a lot. Sometimes, like yesterday at the Bills game, I didn't have any Chiefs pants clean, so I wore jeans. So not all those traditions happen every game. But number one happens every single game. My sister is too superstitious to let this not happen. But we shotgun multiple times, but at least once before we go into the game. And I have a cadence that I borrowed from Cool Runnings. I'll get real loud. I'll say, feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme, get on up team, it's shotgun time. And whoever wants to shotgun with me and my sister uh, at the tailgate will do that with us. But every single game, we cannot go into the stadium without shotgunning at least once. We do it all the time, or we do it every game without exception. So um, call me out on it. Meet me in the Arrowhead parking lot, shotgun with me. We usually tailgate at D17. Um, you know where I'm at now. If you're the cops, but, don't go by there. <clears throat> we'll be fine. At Bob and Bo Show, hit them up on a, on a, <laughs> uh, on a game day and go, go find them. 
do some shotguns. I can tell you from my personal experience. And here the, the funny thing is Tybo and I have known each other for 27, almost 28 years. We were born two days apart. We've known each other forever. I've only been to two games with Tybo. One was a preseason game when we were kids. And one was the Chargers Thursday night game. Uh, first game on, on uh, Amazon prime. Wow. Uh, so that was the first game that I was able to drink and be with Tybo at a game. And uh, uh, it was a weekday. So he did, ha- he did have two of two of the five things that he said he was decked out in all chiefs gear. And we did shotgun multiple beers before going in uh, a fantastic time. Hell so, yeah, brother. Oh <laughs> yeah, brother. So go, go check him out. Hit him up. Bob and Bo show. Like you said, they park around D 17 every time without fail. So be around there and join Tybo to enjoy some of his top five things that he does for chief tailgates. Hell yeah. (laughs) Well, folks, we start off by saying, just calm down a little bit. Now we're going to talk about a few things that we really, really, really need to work on moving forward with the rest of the season. But this game also had quite a few good outcomes. Um, One of the things that I wanted to talk about before we got into the breakdown um, is like we know where the deficiency are deficiencies are across the board. Number one, we can sit here and we can say DBs, but it's just depleted, right? Like uh, uh, Willie Gay is out. He is now coming back off of the suspension. So that is um, that is uh, going to help change uh, that. Um, and then we're also going to have McDuffie coming back. So that is going to help change that as well. Um, Rashad Fenton did go down with an injury. So that was a little bit different. Um, but the DB group is like kind of solidified, right? We've got some rookies in there. We've got some guys that really do need to get some game time to make sure that their longevity, uh, is is held up and getting experience for that longevity. The big deficiencies that we're having is offensive line. You can see that Wiley gave up, I believe it was nine pressures. Orlando Brown Jr. gave up seven pressures. There's tackles out there giving up nine and seven a season. These two are giving them up in a game. And I I completely whiffed on Orlando Brown Jr. Completely whiffing on him. I'll, I'll own that. Uh, and then on the defensive uh, line side, like we know that's a massive deficiency um, because we can't expect corners, vets, guys who are top of the league to cover for six seconds. How are we expecting rookie DBs to be able to do this? We're getting no pressure and we're rushing four while Buffalo's getting pressure while only rushing three. So that's a huge issue that needs to be corrected ASAP. And then you can also go ahead and throw in like the wide receiver core, but that's going to be where it's at. Like we went out and we gave a long-term, a somewhat long-term deal Um, to MVS that is voidable at the end of the season, or we can get out of it with minimal dead cap hit. There's some of those things, but we're coming up on the trade deadline to say the least. And those are the areas where I feel that it's the most uh, impactful to bring somebody in. It's probably going to be offensive line, defensive line, maybe DB if we can find somebody who is out there that would fit now, because we did get the news this morning about Travis Kelsey's, um, uh, uh, moving around of money, we went from two hundred thousand dollars available in cap to uh three point seven million dollars in cap space due to the moving around of Travis Kelsey's money into a signing bonus. Who should we go after? What position should we go after? What is the most important moving forward through the rest of the season? 
Well, seeing as it was only week six right here, this is a completely revamped offense for us, and I feel like that's still going to take some time no matter what. But the issue is always lied within the defensive line for us. We've struggled for multiple years with this. If there's somebody out there that can make it an improvement right away, I say we go and get them now. And I don't know how it looks for the books. Like, did I mean, do we clear up enough space to go get somebody that's going to make an impact right away? I don't Three, know. $3.3 million. Or 3.7, I'm sorry. And I like so, but I don't know what we can do with that. Like, yeah. is, is Brian Burns? Brian Burns uh, is on a rookie contract. He's making $1 million. Yeah, that, that's totally doable. So, I mean, that's the name that stands out. Um, I haven't seen him play um, because I don't particularly choose to watch the Carolina Panthers, especially this year. Um, but it's not, you know, if, if the OBJ thing, if it, Odell Beckham thing happens, like, fine. But we don't necessarily need to add another playmaker on offense. The weakest part of our defense is our ability to get uh, pressure on the quarterback. And early on in the season, they might have been fooling us a little bit, but there was still very little sacks that came from defensive linemen. Carl um, Loftus was up there in pressures for a while, um, but still is. It has it's turned into a half a sack for him. So, um, I I I want I want somebody that can make a, a, a just a real impact. We we have Chris Jones that makes a real impact on our defensive line, and where does it go from there? It's a huge drop off. We need somebody else to complement him. So I'm going to throw out a few names. There's there's some names. Um, Arrowhead Live actually did. We talked bad. I talked bad about them last week um they do put out some good content every once in a while and this time they decided to drop a bunch of names of targets on specific needs most people are talking about defensive end um and wide receiver um again wide receivers probably like we've we've already seen where that goes bringing somebody in mid-season we've already seen like the struggles that receivers have being there with a full off season Right. If, if, if you're going to doubt it, go back and see Josh Gordon. You can't say that, you know, he did like he's been in the league long enough. He's skillful enough. Just couldn't get the playbook down. Like it, uh, that's what it comes down to. Now, Arrowhead Live did drop uh, names like DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Curtis Samuel, Josh Reynolds and Amari Cooper. None of those players will work, folks. Get it out of your mind. It has to meet our cap room needs at $3.3 million. Now we are six games into the season. So that takes away part of what they would be owed, but it does not take away the largest principle of what they would be owed, which is still more than 50% of their contract. So if their contract is $10 million plus, or actually uh, I believe it's like eight, a little over eight or a little under $8 million or more, there's no way we could bring them on with the cap room that we have. Look, I'm I'm there's only one name I'm gonna fight you on on that list. If money was not an issue, I you'd be you bet your ass I'm going and getting Amari Cooper. Yeah. Amari. Amari would be uh, you you remember when Amari Cooper got traded from the Raiders to the Cowboys and immediately made an impact on the it's Dallas an immediate Cowboys? Immediate impact. hundred yeah. percent. Now their offense made, was made, super simple. I'm but gonna say I would it, agree. it, it may take gonna... a little bit more to integrate into our system, but Amari Cooper can get separation still in this league. 
Um, he just has somebody like J- Jacoby Brissett throwing on the ball. Um, he, if we, if money wasn't an object, I would definitely go get Amari Cooper. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Now, here's five names of defensive ends, and we can't forget defensive tackles. You either bring in a defensive tackle or a defensive end. One of them would make impacts. It doesn't matter at which one. It just matters that you're taking, like you're you're taking up space, and you're helping guys be able to get off of these double teams and create pressure. Um, so Brian Burns, Robert Quinn, Josh Allen, the defensive end, not the quarterback. Marcus Davenport, Montez Sweat. Now, I will 100% eliminate Robert Quinn from this. He's 32 years old. He will go for no less than a first-round pick, and he does not meet the cap needs. He is over what we he exceeds what we could pay in cap uh, because there's all, virtually no money that can be moved around at this point in time. Um, Travis Kelsey was the only one who we who we could move money around with that leaves Brian Burns, Josh Allen, Marcus Davenport, Montez sweat. All four of those are on rookie contracts. All four of them. If they go into, if the team would exercise their fifth year option, it, if obtained would have enough money in the cap space for next year. We currently have $16 million under the cap for next year. All of these players would fit into the cap room for next season so far and they would fit into the cap needs for what we have. They are currently all under $1 million remaining on their contracts for this season. Who does Davenport play for? Um, that's a fantastic question. Um, <laughs> I, I, had I know, I know the other three. Yeah. I would take, I would take New any Orleans. Of the other three. I feel New like. Orleans. Um, okay. And I actually, I think I take that back. I, I, I was a hundred percent incorrect on this. I believe uh Davenport no 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 he's still on his rookie deal never mind so he's also still on his rookie deal all four of them are um I will say this much given that the NFL draft is in Kansas City next year the next thing you have to do as a GM is look towards your owner Clark Hunt and Clark Hunt had already vetoed during this year's draft of moving up into getting three picks into the first round or even moving up further to go get whoever it is that we wanted and giving up a draft pick for next year, which would be this upcoming draft in 2023 in Kansas city. My gut says that there is without a doubt, 100% chance or there is a 100% no on giving up any draft capital, at least in the first round for this year, it's most likely we get to the draft and we trade up to get two picks in the first round this year, more so than it is to give up one. So it would have to be players with later draft capital coming out of it to go for any of these players. Now, Brian Burns, that's going to be immediately out. They're going to want multiple first round picks for him. Montez Sweat is at least going to get one first round pick that kid is really, really good. He's showing a lot of spark. It would be at least one. Marcus Davenport, possible that he could go for one. Uh, but most likely, out of those five names, Josh Allen and Marcus Davenport would be the possible two that would come in without having to give up a first-round draft pick in my eyes. Uh, see, I don't see giving up any first-round draft picks for any of those guys because they're, the Panthers are saying they want a first-round draft pick for CMC or multiple high round picks. So if Christian McCaffrey's getting that, I don't see how these other guys are going to get first round draft pick status. I don't think they're that elite of guys to 
I think it's uh, very hard for us to like evaluate that. And I feel like Brett Veach of all people has pulled off stuff that's like been more impressive. For sure. Um, yeah. We where we feel like we may have won the valuation of the trade, um, but I like Sean said. I don't know. Like, I think we could get a, a guy on that list without giving up our first round draft pick for next year. But I mean, I, and you're right, Ty Bob, they're not going to consider trading away that first round pick. No. Like, it's, that's a, we didn't move, we didn't move around enough money. We didn't create enough cap space to go get somebody that I feel like is worth giving up a first round pick for. And and the other thing is, is while the Panthers did say multiple high round picks for CMC, they did also say that it's multiple picks or they're not trading for Brian or they're not moving Brian Burns. So don't forget, it's not like, oh, hey, they're valued by the league at this position. These teams probably don't want to give these guys up. It's not up to the 31 other teams valuation of how good these players are and what they would take. It's up to the valuation of the team as they not only have them under contract for this year, but they have their fifth year options if they so choose to. And they also do have um, uh, franchise tag opportunities if they wish to use those. So it's up to the the team that currently holds their contract on what the valuation is on giving it up much like your fantasy teams if you don't want to give up amari cooper or kenneth walker or so on D- damon pierce is a perfect one um like somebody's gonna have to offer you a lot more than what he's worth for you to give him up unless you just have dire needs elsewhere and you're stacked at running back or or wh- whatever the position is so that's another thing that we would have to look at do you before we get down to the breakdown do do you guys foresee the Kansas City Chiefs making a trade uh, anywhere um, across the board uh, to help better out the team and where we have needs? I can see a, a trade for a defensive lineman or just signing a veteran defensive lineman, but that's that's the main thing I see them doing. Not much else anywhere else, unless somebody gets injured. Um, I think... Offensive and defensive line, I think that's realistically where it's going to come from. Um, we really we have a lot of playmakers, um, so I don't think wide receiver or especially running back, all the people that want us to go get Christian McCaffrey, like you're you're stupid. Um, running back, while we could for sure use a more dynamic running back, but running back is not the need right now. Um, if we make a move, it's gonna be it's gonna be on the line of scrimmage. Um, keep in mind, we got Trent McDuffie and Willie Gay that are back soon. Um, we're not gonna we're not gonna make a trade anywhere else on defense besides defensive line. Um, I could I could honestly see our front office going and getting another weapon because um, they've they've made decisions like like when we got Josh Gordon. Um, I don't know if I necessarily particularly thought we needed. Josh Gordon at the time would have loved Josh Gordon to work out, but I just, I want chiefs kingdom to just be, be real for a second. When we make moves like this in the middle of the season, it's never, it's never that impactful. It's never a guy that we know it's right now going to make a change for the team. It's usually a project. When, when this team makes, 
big moves that really impact the way this team's going to turn out, it's in the draft. I feel like this front office would be okay making a mediocre move in the regular season. And even if we like, if we make the Super Bowl or not, making that bigger move, more impactful move in the draft next season. For the most part, I agree with that. Like 99% of it. I will say there's one move that was made that was super impactful, and that was uh, Melvin Ingram last year. I'll give you outside that. Outside of that, outside of that, I 100% that. agree with you. Uh, we'll leave us with one name as we change from this topic. There's a free agent out there that multiple teams have been in contact with. Hopefully our Kansas City Chiefs are one of those teams. There's a defensive tackle out there who is a multiple-time pro bowler, all pro, um, a fantastic collegiate athlete who has been waiting for his uh, call-up back into the league, a one non-Domican suit. That would be interesting. If you're not watching on YouTube right now, all three faces just perked up. It's great. <laughs> it is fantastic. Um, now, as we go through this game breakdown, we'll be referencing some tweets and statistics, things like that. Um, I'm going to be trying to incorporate some of those things so that you can see them on YouTube if you are watching with us. Uh, so bear with me as I find the time to do that as well during editing. But uh, each week, I love to go through Computer Cowboys uh, statistical analysis that they do drop for us with graphs and charts. Um, Tybo, we had talked about uh, McDuffie and Willie Gay coming back. One of the uh, things that uh, Computer Cowboy does chart is the defensive EPA per play, or that's efficiency per play. Um, and it has been a downward trend. Um, even with Willie Gay and Trent McDuffie on the field. Now, the weeks in which it was downgrading while those two were in were minimal. It has dropped significantly since they've been out. Do we see a massive uptick back to the standard of play that we're expecting with those two coming back? So Willie Gay and Trent McDuffie changed this team enough that it's going to be harder for teams to game plan against us. If we watched, if you paid attention to the people that break down the film of this game, the Bills game plan on both sides of the ball, really, but the Bills offensive game plan um, when we made personnel switches was spot on. Um, there was something on Twitter that um, specifically talked about when Leo Chanel came on and off the field, um, what they were doing when he was on the field and what he was doing, what they were doing when he was off the field. Um, but just the way they schemed us on defense, um, they got, they knew our younger corners are going to be on an island um, on the back end a lot of the time. Um, just the, the things that they were running on offense because of our weaknesses, some of our holes right now, they they came out with a good game plan. But when those two come back, it's going to be much harder for that to happen. Yeah, it'll definitely bring a different sort of energy to the defense. More confidence right there instilled right away. Because Darius Harris came out hot as a replacement for Willie Gay, but a couple games of film on him and defenses knew a way to attack the weakness of our defense. His coverage has still been fairly good. I would say it's the run-stopping power mm -hmm. that Willie Gay just has clearly over him. I would say they're roughly around the same in, in coverage. 
um, but Willie Gay's run stopping ability and uh, play chase down ability um, far outweighs Darius Harris and probably a lot of linebackers across the league. Uh, one of the things that we've been seeing and have talked about already is the defensive line having a lot of issues. Um, more so that does show a transactional issue across the uh, score box. Um, now, George Karloftis, a guy that I've been super critical about, Tybo has had his worries about, has played fairly well That with stats that are not transitioning in the, the box score. Um, the man has 17 pressures. Now, I'm not going to sit here and and say and this this these numbers come from chiefs hive he has 17 pressures that makes him 31st among all defenders or edge defenders in the nfl so he's top 31 defensive end just based on pressures um now part of that issue is it is not translating well um to getting sacks he's only got half a sack like tybo said uh he's only got realistically a handful of tackles uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, um, he's got eight tackles through six games. It's not looking good. Um, and then you go and you look at some of the guys that were brought in higher in the draft that maybe don't have as many pressures. But you look at a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who has three sacks, and uh, I believe he's got nine solo tackles. Uh, but he combines for quite a few more than that. And then you go and look at a guy like Jermaine Johnson, uh, who has taken a few picks before the Chiefs at 30, uh, a guy that I really wanted. He's got himself one and a half sacks with um, like 15 tackles. Um, so these guys are putting up now that doesn't include for like the three, pa I think it's three passes defended that, that Carl Loftus has, I think we're dropping him into coverage far too much, but seeing where at least two of these guys, one of them that was possible to get, if we had game planned correctly, uh, in my eyes for the draft is Carl Loftus living up to this hype Number one, he's not living up to the hype that the Kansas City Chiefs fans had given him. But is he living up to the hype that the NFL analytics have given him going into this season? And do you see him growing through the end of the season? Or are we going to, is this how he's going to play for now? And then we're going to have to wait for season two to see how he really turns out. Yeah, I see George being more of a project player. He can have some moments to shine this year, but in the long run, it's going to take multiple years for him to be where he needs to be at. I don't know about multiple, but I don't think, I don't think we're going to get the level of play that I think a lot of fans wanted this year. Um, when pressures don't translate into sacks, you're not affecting or impacting the game that much. Um, so if the next step is just turning those pressures into sacks, then hopefully next year, um, he proves to be a little bit more to be what we hope for. Um, but I, I'm not seeing, I'm not seeing a whole lot of like very impressive things from him. Um, it's just a bull rush. It's still just a bull rush. I, I don't see anything else there. I haven't seen another move. 
He's maybe put thrown a push pull in there, but really, like you said, Tybo, it's just a bull rush. There's no swim. There's no rip. There's no spin that he was working on seemingly with with Frank Clark <laughs> in the in the preseason. Like, where's all this stuff that we've been learning and hoping for? I don't even like uh, players to use a spin unless you got it. Like, unless you have it, like Bob Miller or right, uh, Demar uh, Demarcus Ware. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean. The spin is a the spin is a very risky move. <laughs> Should we, in your guys' mind, be seeing Carlos Dunlap get far more snaps? One, he I will say yes, he should be getting more snaps than he is. But should he be getting more snaps than Karloftis at this point in time, knowing that we need to generate pressure and as a defensive end? You need to be setting up your moves throughout the entire game. You need to see what works and what doesn't work early so that you get to quarter four and you know what what you can do in in certain moments uh, versus Karloftis only having that one move. I don't I don't know if anything needs to needs to happen with the with the snap share, man. It's 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 player execution. Uh it's what it comes down to. Frank Clark. There, there's times like I mean he, he's I I don't know how many sacks he has this year but I know I've heard his name enough that I know he's he's playing decent this year but he's also got some plays on film that it's just like what are you doing you just took a playoff um, he had a he had a glaring one that's been all over Twitter in the Bills game where he uh, I guess just he tried he tried a straight on rush backed off a little bit and tried to do one of these and. But by the time he took his second step on his shimmy, Josh Allen had already let go of the ball. Like, it's they, they need to do some work, okay? I don't know. Dunlap's not getting any pressure either when he's in there. So I don't know if it's a snap share thing. Like, we just need to – I don't know. I mean, we – do I want us to make a move? Yes, because that's the glaring issue, and I don't think the guys playing one guy more on our team is going to make a difference there. Nobody's getting – Outside of Chris Jones, nobody is getting the pressure, the impact that we need on the defensive line. Put that Frank Clark in, uh, clip in here uh, before we go <laughs> on to you, Sean. Just uh, uh, what what are your thoughts, Sean? I completely agree with Tybo right now. Uh, Chris Jones is the only one that can get any any type of pressure. Nobody else looks like they really want to get after the quarterback. They just get pressure, then they stop and don't want to tackle the quarterback. And you can't expect like Chris Jones to have to fight through a double team literally every single snap while everybody else goes man up and and can't do anything. Like, boy's got to man up, got to get in the backfield. His win rate had to have taken a little bit of a dip after this game because I I saw him getting doubled every single time, and I it just he wasn't making he wasn't winning those this this game. Like he he was splitting a lot of double teams uh, prior to this, but he was not doing it against the Bills. And maybe it's they just have a real, yeah. You just get tired. You can only do so much. Um, one thing before we move on from the defensive side, um, the EPA has fallen. Like I said, uh, the series results have gone down massively. Uh, I remember speaking about this about week one, week two, um, when the defense was so hot and now they have dropped all the way down to the fourth worst defense in the league by series ratios. Uh, right now we're sitting at 29th uh, and we're giving up a touchdown or first down 76% of the drives. 
we're giving up uh, let me see it five percent of that is field goals with excuse me eight percent uh or no excuse me another six percent of the time being a turnover with the final 12 percent of the time being a punt so that means 76 percent of the time a team is stepping foot on the field in the first series they are either getting a touchdown or a first down the league best comes from the san francisco 49ers only giving that up 65% of the time with a first down or a touchdown. So it's been really, really poor. Um, but on a little bit of a good note, Kansas City is still second through two weeks on offense uh, in that same category with 79% of the time being a touchdown or first down. Um, there are a few offensive woes. We've already covered that uh, on the offensive line-wise. Realistically, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and um, – Excuse Joe me. Uh, yeah, Tooney are playing really well, but we've seen the regression of Wiley from last year, which was always to be expected. And there's nothing we can do about that until Niang comes back off of uh, his injury and is ready to go. And Orlando Brown, we're just kind of stuck there because we're not putting Roderick Johnson in. That guy's awful. Um, so we've already, you know, we've already kind of covered that little bit. We're having some issues at receiver now. McColl came in and and stepped up this game. Uh, it wasn't a lot of yardage. I think it was forty two yards, uh, but it was much better than he has had previously. We got to talk about Juju NDS, had a man. big game. Juju had big a fantastic game. game. He had a big game. All right, but, but, don't don't before you get on MBS's head. It you yourself said his production wasn't sustainable in the right. offense where we have so many weapons. Uh, he had a touchdown that was called back on some bullshit. Okay. Like he, it, he was, he was involved for a little bit in the, in the, in the beginning of the game. So like cool your jets on MVS real quick. Didn't he have zero receptions? Yeah, but he had a touchdown that got called back on some bullshit. He would have had also, a touchdown. He also had another touchdown grab that was actually wrestled away from him for an interception. He's six foot four, he, playing with dudes who are five ten and can't. Pat get the threw ball it into double coverage. That was that's a mistake this offense doesn't make very often. We're yeah. not going to count on that to happen. And even after that happening, we only lost by four points. I would like to see MVS's numbers go down. Go down? <laughs> like by by that I mean like snap count. And and here's here's where I'm I'm coming up with this. We brought him in for primarily number one to be the Pringle or D Rob option. That's option four. Option three, option four, option five, somewhere in there. Right now, he's he's by receiver count, he's option two. And we also brought him in to be the somewhat of a Tyreek replacement, not in terms of volume, but in terms of taking the top off of defenses, being the fast, deep route guy. That's all everybody was saying in the offseason. How many times can you guys count that MVS has done that job? Your question is flawed, Tyler. Stop. MVS was brought in to be a threat. MVS was brought in to be an option. It doesn't. He, there's no reason to compare him to Byron Pringle and D. Rob. Okay, he's not he the same guy. I'll say he's that he's better he, than he, he yeah. is. He's he. We brought him in to play to his strengths, like crosses, 
go routes. Like, th- th- I think they're using him a little bit differently than we expected. But, like, I mean, MVS is a decent receiver. Okay. He, he's st- dropped the ball still- one time this year. I believe so, yeah. Uh, he didn't. He's dropped but- it more than that. He's got a he's got a good handful of drops. I don't think that's I think that's anyways. <laughs> other other people I mean Juju Juju went off yesterday. I mean not went oh, off. Sure. Juju Juju played well yesterday. Juju got some numbers. He got a touchdown. Um like it's not gonna not everybody can can have eighty to hundred yards a game when we have Travis Kelsey and the talent level that we have across the board. You got to remember, this it's, is still week six of a completely revamped offense for half these guys. Juju wasn't here last year. MVS wasn't here last year. Sky wasn't here. They're trying to figure this out and still going with it and still one of the highest scoring offenses in the league. So, like, the, the way our depth chart is working out, like, Juju is our number one receiver. MVS is our number two receiver. And then under that, it's like, mostly McCole Hardman, but, like, it's it's a toss-up for our number three option. Realistically, Juju has never been anything better than a solid number two receiver in his career. So we have a number two and then a bunch of threes. We have a, we have a number two – we have a solid number two receiver and we have a bunch of third option receivers. MVS, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, um, Justin Watson, if you want to include him in there, but maybe he's really, like, a death chart four guy. Um, but – that should be that's enough for Patrick Mahomes. It's the offense is still one of the best scoring offenses in the NFL. I don't think it's I don't think it looks that abysmal on offense. Um, I think there are some execution issues, but a lot of the times Andy Reid is not lying when he said, like, I need to put the guys in a better position to win the game. There's there's still some questionable play play calling decisions, in my opinion. It's not it's not the it's not the output of the players at this point. Uh, and I agree with that. I like that. Um, is it, though, that Patrick Mahomes does not need all the flashy options? Because when you look on the other side, you've got a guy who is maybe just a step under, right? Josh Allen's just a step under. But his team continues to build around him completely and utterly. They bring him a guy like Diggs. You draft a guy like Gabe Davis. You put a guy around him like Dawson Knox. You get him some guys who are – they they can't run the ball, but they sure as hell did on Sunday. Um, they, and, and he still has plenty of options. Isaiah McKenzie, there are guys around that. They had uh, uh, Emmanuel Sanders last year. So you've got a guy who is undoubtedly just a little, a small, tiny step under Patrick Mahomes, but his team is still building around him. To say that Patrick Mahomes doesn't need the options like that, I think is 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 a step too far. Um You've got to be able to have those guys who are running around, getting open, doing the things that they need to do, which we have not seen from these receivers for the most part outside of one game from Juju, one game from MVS, and every game from Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I still feel like it's a – we're trying to adjust to a Tyreek Hillless 
offense right here. We predicated so, so many years upon Tyreek and Travis and seeing what we do with those guys. And it's week six. Something's going to – they're going to figure it out before the end of the year. Something's going to click with them wherever they start going and start finding a good rhythm. But as of right now, they're still trying to figure out what they do best and what they can do during these games. That's what I see right now. I'll leave the uh... – a little bit of the self-deprecation alone here uh, because there were a lot of good things that did come out of this game, right? We only lost to some people are calling the Bills the number one team in the league. Some of them are calling the number two. However you want to see it between them and the Eagles doesn't really matter. They're up there in the top two spots. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, having lost a bunch of people, are uh, two main keys of our defense along with our offensive line not performing the way that they have uh last year in the past um only lost by four points patrick mahomes is still able to go out there and make plays happen andy reed is still able to draw things up and really get the better of sean mcdermott and that defense and josh allen and that offense with the the deficiencies that we did did have so what does that tell you moving forward um going going on through the next 10 games that we have left or 11 games that we have left it's telling me that we're gonna figure it out we have plenty of time to get uh, get it going should have been a lot closer than it was harrison bucker had the mixed miss missed field goal opportunity it could have been a lot closer than that uh the bills have been planning for something like that to happen for the to, to the chiefs for years now they've just kind of been sending that backwards they don't ever really play dime package on defense and they were in that a lot on Sunday so they are literally building their team just to be the Chiefs that's what it looks like right now that's what they should do right because that's the team that it's got to go through um and and you know like we talked about it's the second time in a row two years in a row that this has happened early in the season week five last year week six this year you lose and those sorts of losses like you got to look at it kind of like the Patriots, right? The Patriots will lose to a team in the regular season and you turn around and what happens in the postseason when it matters most. And the cool thing is, is the Kansas city chiefs went out there right before halftime with 12 seconds left and did the same exact thing they did in the playoff game. It shows you, it doesn't matter how much time is left for Patrick Mahomes. He just has to not throw a freaking interception. And I mean, keep in mind, we ranked the the Bills' weapons right above the Chiefs. You got two quarterbacks that are playing at a very high level. Most everybody thinks that Patrick Mahomes is still probably better than Josh Allen, um, but he's up there. Okay, we had two mistakes that are not very common for Pat Mahomes. And we still held the Bills to 24 points on defense with how bad we're talking about how we played. The Bills are still up there uh, in scoring offense or whatever the numbers are. Like they have an incredibly good offense, and we still held them to 24 points. Most of the time, that wins you a game when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. I'm not, I'm not worried. we come to land this plane 
Um, what are some we, – we've talked a lot about the issues that this Kansas City Chiefs team has, and most of that can be fixed by coaching. What are some of the good things that you guys took away from this game that the Chiefs will be able to build on through the next 11 games? I'm going to go defense here. I'm going to stick with the uh, the ability of the quarterback not knowing where the blitz is going to come from. I feel like we've done a really good job of mixing that up this year and really, really making it hard for the quarterback to figure out where to go and where the blitz come from. There were times that we should have blitzed and didn't, and it kind of burned us. Yeah. Um, but. but yeah, um, you take you take out two offensive mistakes, and the Pat Mahomes had a. I mean, you could say that about any time he throws a pick. But you take away two really kind of like ghastly mistakes. Like Pat doesn't make those types of decisions very often. Um, and the offense still played really well in this game. We saw production out of people that hadn't in previous weeks and had been kind of uh, set up in this offense to do some great things. Um, so the ability is there. I think it really comes down to crucial game point play calling. Um, and you know, a little bit of, a little bit of better execution on some plays and this team knows, knows what it can be in the, in the postseason. So, um, it really hurts as far as home field advantage standpoint, uh, going forward, but there's, there's, there's hope to be seen instead of just kind of focusing on all the negatives. There's, there's a lot that this chiefs team does well. And uh, and I think one of the, one of the key things to be able to build on offensively is like, yeah, we, we got stopped the one time uh, near the end. And I think that was the big one. And there was, there was a couple others that were in there. Um, It's, it's playmaking decisions, right? We should be, uh, run, we should be throwing the ball in certain areas where we're running the ball. We shouldn't be throwing screens in certain areas uh, where they're being, they're being done. But the, the really, really cool thing to be able to see with this chief offense, as we can see it going through the growing pains of having new weapons is that certain guys can be taken away one, two guys. And yet everybody else is still going to get going. Right. And then that opens up the game for everybody else. We can bring in guys like Sky Moore off the bench, fresh and ready, be able to run a couple of routes and be able to get open and move the ball efficiently, quickly, and make the smart plays of being able to get out of bounds. Um, So I think there's a lot to build and grow on offensively with that. I've been alluding to it the whole whole time I've been talking, but we really got outcoached in that game. Like 100%. We still have a we still have a great team that's on par with the best of the best. There were just there were points in that game where we got out coached. Um, the 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 interception at the end of the game um, was a great one to point out their their scheme on defense when they rushed three but then had the immediate the spy immediate blitz like once he sees like a, a, a Pat sprinting out that that spy comes down comes screaming off the edge so he's he's unblocked. We didn't know what to do uh, mid-game when it happened. Um, I mean, it was happening at the end of the game, but like those types of adjustments as coaches are supposed to be made on the fly. Like 
you can't just make adjustments at halftime and think you're good. Like adjustments are being made constantly throughout the entire game. So that was one thing that, yeah, that that was one thing that we weren't prepared for. um, And they saw their opportunity and took it at the end of the game. And uh, credit to the guy that jumped the, jumped the route, but Pat threw the ball into double coverage twice and we saw what happened. So uh, he doesn't make that decision very often. Like we usually have a guy that is schemed open. Um, so Pat was forced to make those decisions. So um, it also does come down to a little bit of the offensive line play. But um, I, I, I mean, I truly think we were out coached and I don't think the players could have done a whole lot to change uh, what that score was. You want to talk about a guy jumping around. Fantastic job done by Josh Allen on the hurdle. That's two. That's two games. That's he that's forced it. Like he he knew he had. He was playing the Chiefs. He knew he had to get a hurdle in. He saw his opportunity. And uh, did you see? Did you also forced see LJ? It and it worked. I know, but <laughs> did forced you see LJ worked, try to like? I mean, he just he just went to the ground. Like <laughs> I I, hey. I had said previously, he was bringing that Tyron Matthew energy that we saw uh, on our Super Bowl year. He did not bring it that time because. Uh, no. He didn't want to try. He didn't want nothing to do with that offensive lineman, bro. <laughs> no shot. I wouldn't either. Are you kidding me? Those dudes are big. You got to do something. Anything. You play football, Anything. dog. You're right. You're right. You got to do something. You do. And that'll happen. Uh, boys, am I forgetting anything that you guys wanted to touch on before we get out of here? Uh, I just want a quick shout out to Tommy Townsend. Well, yeah, he, he is one of the best punters in the league, and he is going to be major for us later on in the year. Whenever we have a few struggles on offense, yeah, that's uh, uh, unfortunately he should be winning AFC um, uh, special teams player of the week for for two weeks now, uh, which is not something you ever want to say uh, with this Kansas City Chiefs offense led by Patrick Mahomes, but. That does the seem the way Cole it could be. Days when, <laughs> oh man, that was our high, that was our best player. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting, disgusting. A great dude. Disgusting that we ever have to say anything like that. Um, make sure to uh, hit Tybo up if you're at the game. Bob and Bo show. Also, know any top fives that you want. It's not just football related, folks. It can be anything. Make sure to also check us out on YouTube if you're not there. Uh, by the same name, Bob and Bo Show. But most importantly, one thing that we must not forget. Go Chiefs. Go, Go Chiefs. Chiefs.